It's the Asian Boxing Podcast with Scott and Colin. We are enjoying today. We're just having a great day because the sky is out, the sun is out, at least here in California. I don't know about over there in England, but it's a beautiful day and we get to talk some boxing. The, the, the sun was out earlier. That's good enough for me. The sun was out earlier. Big week of boxing. Man, it was not only on the Japanese side, but also a couple of good tie cards. Let's start off with the bout that we were kind of anticipating last week, Junto Nakatani. And boy, did he make an entrance onto the world title stage as he picked up a world title belt in impressive fashion. He did. He looked really, really impressive against Gimal Magramo of the Philippines. I think I, I, like many others, were expecting Nakatani to have to really work for the win. Um, I favored him, but it was a case that it was a 50-50 fight. He just absolutely dominated McGrawa every which way. Uh, at range, his jab was brutal. His straight left hand, absolutely vicious. But close, he seemed to win the battle every time McGrawa got into got into range. Um, but McGrawa didn't look like he had a plan B or a plan C. His plan A didn't look particularly effective either. It was just dominant for Nakatani. Brilliant shot case. Anytime that Junto Nakatani wanted to keep him on the end of that jab, he could just because of his height, his skill, his footwork. And when he had him on the end of that jab, it was a total mismatch. The only time that Magramo actually hit Nakatani was on the inside. But like you said, Nakatani can fight inside as well. That's what makes him so dangerous. And he was winning those exchanges inside. So Magramo, it was a lose-lose situation for him. It was, I think. The thing with Nakatani is a lot of people perhaps haven't seen his earlier bounce, but he took on uh, Thiago Yuri Akai and just beat him on the inside as well. And that's really impressive given that Akai is now the Japanese flyweight champion himself. So to see that he's gone inside and just battered the guy who went on to win a national title in that sort of fight shows that he's, it's not a new skill. He's always been able to fight on the inside. He's only 22. He has the world in front of him. I think there's a, a a couple of weight classes that he can go up and you know possibly win world titles at. What do you think, though, is next for him in the immediate future? He did say that he wanted to defend the title, and I think that is next. I think there will be three, four, five defenses of the, uh, of the flyweight belt. In theory, the next defense will be Angel Acosta, who was ordered as the mandatory for this fight um, back in sort of February or March when it was first mooted. So I think that'll be next. Um, I'd love to see him in with someone like Shokimura, who would perhaps be a really good test um, and a really good coming out fight. I don't think he's going to rush through the weights. I think he could, but I don't think he will. I think his TV channel, which I assume is NTV because they did show his fight on Turbulent, will be looking at him as their next star. And... Um, they've not really had anybody on their channel since Shinsuke Yamanak and Hotsu Mihasegawa. So if Nakatani can get two or three defenses, become a big fish at NTV, I think they'll try and use him to have a new figurehead of boxing. I think that'd be really exciting. Angel Acosta would be a, a spectacular bout. You talk about a guy who has power in his right hand. Uh, I think that'd be a dangerous fight for Nakatani. Also, I mean, he has options, right, where he can unify the division. There's a couple of guys that I would love to see him in with, especially a guy like Julio Cesar Martinez, who I think is really tough at that weight. That, I think, would be the bout that 
the fans want. I think that's the most interesting bout. Um, Nakatani also mentioned that he wanted to fight abroad. I think that's the biggest option for an abroad fight. They've also got perhaps Maruti Mithlani next year. And unification Mithlani has been brutalizing Japanese fighters recently, so that's a one that makes sense. Um, maybe even Artem Delakian, who has had a really terrible reign as the WBA champion. That'd be an interesting one. It'd be a good test. It'd be sort of what both guys probably need as well, but I think it will be a Costa next, and then they'll look at who makes sense for a summer, perhaps fall bout next year. Cool thing about Nakatani, too, is he's been coming over to the States to train um, out here at the Maywood Boxing Gym in Los Angeles. And so who knows, if he wants to fight overseas, maybe he comes in and fights in L.A. against a guy like Julio Cesar Martinez. I think that would bring in the fans, especially with a Mexican fighter who, you know, obviously very popular out here in Los Angeles, and then a guy who's had some roots here by training out here in L.A. I think that'd be a cool fight. It would, and it's one that's very medical. Both guys almost certainly want that fight. Um, I don't see either guy wanting to avoid the other. I see both guys went to Unify. Stylistically, it'd be so much fun. It'd be a relatively cheap one for Eddie Hearn if he wants to design card filler. Yeah, it ticks all the boxes I think that fans want in a in a fight. And boy, do we know that Eddie Hearn needs some good boxing. I mean, because he's losing... He's losing a lot over there at DAZN. DAZN just need a good fight. DAZN really need to put something good on. This past weekend was dreadful. Yeah, they haven't had a lot of good cards recently, and then they lose their huge cash cow in Canelo. I know all the other podcasts are talking about that, and we don't need to really delve into that. But, oof, man, uh, after putting all that money into all these fighters to start to lose them, that's, that's a tough one. It's the Asian Boxing Podcast, Scott and Colin. We, we focus on Asian boxing here, so we're not going to bring up Canelo that much. Junto Nakatani is now the WBO World Flyweight title holder. Yeah, all that hard work has paid off. Now, on the undercard, Scott, uh, we had Tatsuyoshi on the undercard. We kind of had our eye on that fight, but that wasn't the fight that was so exciting. There was another one on the undercard that caught your interest. Yeah, that one was kind of derailed by a second-round headbutt just as Ibamura started backing up Tatsuyoshi and got going. Really disappointing ending. The one that really deserves attention was Junpai Tsujimoto versus Daiki Ogura. And I actually guess what I said, don't watch the first round. The first round, garbage. Second round, Ogura couldn't miss Tsujimoto. He landed so many left hooks. He put Tsujimoto down. He had him wobbling. He had him ready to go. And then out of nowhere, Tsujimoto landed a single right hand and completely, uh, completely sends Ogura out of his senses and turns it around with just brilliant second round. Um, how Tsujimoto managed to withstand such punishment and go on to win is just brilliant. I'm going to have to check that fight out. I did get a chance to see the actual fight, the Junto Nakatani fight on YouTube. So I thank that person who had that fight on YouTube. I don't know. They were probably streaming it illegally, but we're not going to tell because I was watching it illegally. But thank you to that person because uh, I was able to catch the, the whole fight at 3 a.m. in the morning. Yeah, well, those of us who want to do it legally have the option of paying an amazing $3 to watch an Isakura. So um, shout out to Isakura, who apparently I don't talk about enough. So, hey, if you want to watch fights from Japan, pay for Isakura. It's brilliant. 
Maybe I should start doing that instead of just watching fights on YouTube. Maybe. <laughs> Actually support the people. Uh, Takeshi Inoue also had a fight this past week. And uh, it, he was supposed to be on the same card uh, with that middleweight championship bout. But unfortunately, that one was canceled due to injury. So now Takeshi Inoue, he was elevated kind of to the top of the card. And he fought a guy who I cannot pronounce his name, so I will let you go, Scott. Nath. We'll just stick with his first name. Nath. Uh, yeah, Nath. Nath. Um, that was an eight-round bout. It was put just above the light middleweight limit, so he knew it wasn't risking his WBO Asia Pacific title. He knew it dominated, but didn't shine. A head clash partly through the bout left him cut and marked up and... It's one of those where he went through the motions. He got some rounds, but I don't think he was particularly happy. Photos after the bout showed him very much bandaged and plastered and everything else around his face. He looked a mess despite the win. Brinoe, where does he go next? Not a pretty bout for him, but how many bouts are really pretty for Inoue? He likes to mess it up anyway or muck things up. To be fair to him, he tried to keep this one tidy. It was... Uh, Nap that caught him with a hippo. Um, next for him is probably an RPBF title bout. That title was vacated earlier this year by by Akinori Watanabe, who's retired. So I think we're probably going to see him try and unify that on the WBO Asia Pacific title. Um, who he faced for that title is a bit of a mystery at the moment, but that's probably what's next. And then a move towards the second world title bout. Of course, no one favor him against any of the world champions, but you can't say that he doesn't want that because it's kind of what well, I guess every champ- every contender wants is that shot the big time. Asian Boxing Podcast, Scott and Colin. And Scott, great cards in Japan. Let's go over to Thailand where they had two spectacular cards as well. Yeah, I actually think Thailand for once outdid Japan on terms of quality cards. Their one on Saturday had... Um, my favorite about the weekend that was Bungung Sa Singyu versus Amnat Ruen Roeng. Two former world champions meeting in what turned out to be a genuinely really good fight. I know Amnat's 40 now and Bungung's seen much better days, but they fought a hell of a pace. This was eight rounds of brilliant, brilliant style gels. Um, Bungung brought the pressure right through, Amnat was counting punching off the ropes. It was yeah, that was brilliant. Um, if you've not seen that one, I'd recommend that above any other fight from this past week, other than the Nakatani one. Perfect match styles. The matchmaker deserves a pair of rise. That was eight rounds of brilliance. On the same card, Thananchai Sharunfak beat Pygmy Kukitjim with a brutal body shot. Um, Thananchai looks like one of those young ties who really can go all the way in the future. Uh, Pygmy Kukitjim, on the other hand, needs to retire. I think Guys, 39, just taking absolute pounding after pounding in recent years. And again, thank goodness you're here, Scott. Because if, if I was just hosting this show by myself, it would be brutal. It would be an insult to Thai boxers who work so hard and train so hard. And then just to hear their names on this podcast just be butchered, I would feel really bad. I'm probably butchering them anyway, which is probably a relief that we don't get any Thai listeners. Like, yeah, listen, Thailand. Hi. Um, on Sunday, we had another Thai card, which featured two former Noya Inuya opponents of, uh, rather interestingly, 
One of them was um, Samatla Kakichim, or as Boxwright listed him as Witwath Baspian, who lost the debuting Thitisak Hoitong. Um, Hoitong looked absolutely sensational. He is, yeah, he's one of those guys who made his debut. You can go, this guy can't make his debut. He's got everything. If you want to see someone really impressive this weekend, uh, Thitisak is the guy to watch. He moves around the weight ring brilliantly. He's very light on his feet, put his punches together brilliantly. Genuinely just a fantastic, fantastic debut performance. Uh, on the same card, Natapong Jankyu beat Petsbang Gabong Kikijim, who's now listed on Boxwork as Karun Jaru Pian Lord. And I thought Natapong was very lucky in that one. I thought he was, uh, that he was very exposed to be honest. And I'm, I've rated Natapong very highly, but he didn't look great here at all. I'm telling you, he keeps track of it all. It's Scott with AsianBoxing.info, the best site in the world for Asian boxing. Anything you want, news, notes, podcasts, videos of these fights, it's all up there on AsianBoxing.info. Now, Scott, gosh, such a great weekend that we had with both great cards in Thailand and Japan. But this week... We're not going to see a lot this weekend. No, there really isn't a lot this weekend. Um, probably the main talking point actually happens on Wednesday with Kazakh prospect Tyson Bay Klukmet facing Macaulay McGowan for a WBC international something or another um, title at 154 pounds. Klukmet looks like one of those guys who's going to be fast trapped. He was a former standout amateur. He debuted earlier this year and looked sensational. I don't think he's going to have any problems at all with McGowan. And the way he's looked, it looks like Klukmet could probably be world title bar in the next two years. He just looks absolutely sensational. So there you have it. One fight to watch. The only other one of any note, and it's a real oddity. So I'm going to guess most people aren't aware of this one, but Sung Min lead defends the South Korean heavyweight title against Young Tae Bear on Saturday. Um, yeah. Korean heavyweight title, let's be quite honest, no one cares. I mean, if you like novelties, there you go, Korean heavyweight title. That's pretty, pretty novel. It, the problem with this belt is it's been rearranged and changed and chopped and all about seven times. Lee was originally going to vacate the title, then he got given it back, and he's meant to fight somebody else, and then the belt got delayed, and then somebody else is meant to fight in, and now Bear's taking the fight. I'm sure it'll be a very interesting belt, but it's one that I don't think will have much interest. Look on the bright side. Low amount of fights in the Asian boxing world, but you do get Terrence Crawford, Kell Brook, which I think could be a decent fight. I get a week off. Yes, and Scott gets a week off. It's a win-win situation. Scott, you're not going to have a week off the entire month of December because there are a lot of things going on, but news just broke, and you were the man on the scene, and you... Got me jumping out of my seat because this is news everyone needs to hear. The New Year's Eve fight has been made. The big one for New Year's Eve has been made with Kazuto Ayoka and Kosa Tanaka fighting for the WBO Super Flyweight title. Um, this will be televised on TBS, so again, a chance or reason to pay for Isakura for the month. Um, Ayoka's going for a fourth weight world title and I think it's his 17th fight. Ayaka's trying to make his second defense. Um, 
yeah, it's basically a fight we knew was going to happen, but it was only officially announced this week, despite having pretty much been on the radar since March. That's the fight we've been wanting to see. And honestly, we probably both felt that, yeah, it was probably going to happen. Obviously, New Year's Eve, that's when all the big fights happen. But just to see it on paper, it feels good. I know it's early, but do you have an early prediction for this fight, Scott? I'm thinking Ayoka. Um, I know lots of people going to Tanaka, and personally, I prefer Tanaka to win because we have sort of had semi rights on some of his bouts, but I think Ayoka's probably been too experienced, too strong, um, not a little bit too much for Tanaka at this early point. Uh, but I can see vic- where's to victory for Tanaka. I can see him using his speed, getting in and out. He's definitely the quicker man, uh, both hand and foot. The experience at one one five particularly will be helpful to Ayaka. Kudos, huge kudos to Tanaka to just step right up and take a world fight at a new weight. But I think you're right. Uh, it might take a little bit of an adjustment to to get used to that weight where Ioka's been there, he's comfortable, he's won a world title there, and uh, that experience might just be the edge that he needs against a tough fighter like Tanaka. I also think that Ioka's got that experience. He knows what a New Year fights are like. He's been headlining these cards for years. Tanaka has been fighting New Year's Eve cards in the past, but he's only headlined one, and that was a really obscure one back in 2016. Last year, he was on the undercard of Ayoka's bout with Javier Centron. And I get the feeling that Ayoka's just got that little bit of know-how, a little bit of experience under the pressure um, that could prove to be the difference as well. I tend to agree with you. If I'm going to make an early prediction, I would go Ioka unanimous decision. Both guys are really tough, but it's going to be a barn burner. I, I already know that it's... It's going to be one of those, we sit in the phone booth and we trade with each other, kind of like Tanaka Shokimura a couple of years ago. That was such a great bout. And that's one of the ones that, you know, I want Tanaka to win because that bout there is one that CBC let us stream. And it'd be great to see CBC continue to let us have rights on Tanaka's fights. But it's a big ask. Well, you can't blame Tanaka. He's going for greatness and he's already made history by becoming, you know, the fastest two, three weight classes, tied for the fastest as a three-division champ. So he's going for his fourth, and obviously that would be history too. Yeah, yeah, he'd only become the second Japanese fighter, second male Japanese fighter to achieve a four-weight world title reign, um, following on from Ayoka, who is the first man to do it, and the second Japanese fighter to do it after Naoka Fujioka. But yeah, and it's fantastic. He's chasing history. He's chasing destiny. He doesn't want to be seen as a normal fighter. Um, he's only 25, so even a loss, he is not the end of the world by any stretch of the imagination. It's just really refreshing in this age where we see fighters talking on Twitter. We see different, you know, PBC versus ESPN, all the uh, you're not going to cross the street to fight me stuff. It's refreshing to see the fights get made and greatness being chased. Yeah, it did help in this case that they both work for the both fight for the same TV company. Um, they're both TBS affiliate fighters, so that was an easy one to make in terms of TV. 
AsianBoxing.info. That's the site for it all. If you want that breaking news, if you want to see and learn that Ioka and Tanaka are fighting on New Year's Eve, you will see it on AsianBoxing.info. Thank you again for joining us on the Asian Boxing Podcast with Scott and Colin. We appreciate you. We will talk to you next time.